Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, November 2nd. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about a range of election topics, the departure of Little Rock Police Chief Kenton Buckner, and more on the attack on the Little Rock School District. And, you know, maybe some other odds and ends. This week's episode is uh, sponsored by the Jim Daly Fitness and Aquatic Center. Well, I'm glad to hear. I didn't even know that. I was there this morning on the track. They've got a whole bunch of new uh, weightlifting machines. And I was, at first, a little unhappy with them because you get used to what you're used to. But I'm kind of getting in sync with the new machines. All right. We'll talk more about them shortly. So... Elections, November 6th, Tuesday. It's right around the corner. Uh, several news items this week. Uh, the Arkansas poll, uh, Janine Perry's uh, you know, very well-respected annual poll um, done out of the University of Arkansas came out this week. And uh, maybe the most interesting thing was that Arkansans have sort of finally woken up to climate change. Right. I was really interested in, in the reception of that poll, the Democrat Gazette this morning coverage was all on the political questions, none of which were particularly surprising. But I was really interested in some issue questions, and the Arkansas poll itself chose to lead its display of it with this question of after several years of people thinking climate change wasn't much of an issue, the plurality and nearly a majority of Arkansans now believe it's going to be an issue in their lifetime. I mean, suddenly... I think there's such an accumulation of data now that the, the planet is getting warmer. And, and, and anecdotal experience, too. Experience. I mean, I mean yeah. the growing seasons have changed in different places. Different plants grow here now that it used to grow here. I mean, people are not stupid. but uh, Well, some are. Leslie Rutledge still thinks we need to mine more coal. But, but in any event, that was interesting. Uh, I was interested that a solid majority opposes the repeal of Roe v. Wade. Uh, a tiny percentage, only 17%, wants abortion to be illegal in all circumstances. I mean, on balance, I think we're we're solidly in the camp of people want abortion to be legal, safe, and rare, which is not what Arkansas legislature believes. Interestingly enough, some 44%, I think, is the number, favor stricter gun control laws. That's by far the biggest interest group. Uh, those who want looser gun laws are a tiny minority. Again, this is something where if you believe the Arkansas legislature, that's not how the public believes. Uh, same-sex marriage now enjoys plurality support, uh, which is a break from the past. Of course, it's legal now, and I think people are coming to terms. with. They may not approve of it, but, but they accept it. And so it's interesting to see in this state that, uh, that you hear your average legislator saying... Leslie Rutledge, I'm a Christian gun-toting mama, pro-life mama. Well, Arkansas is kind of a, you know, backsliding, not-so-gun-crazy, not-so-anti-abortion bunch as perhaps Leslie Rutledge would have you believe. But there is a downside, and that is a 50% approval rating for Donald Trump. So there was the, there was that. And, of course... Asa Hutchinson, Asa Hutchinson enjoys a 61% approval. Right, in a 57-35 uh, re-election number. And I was happy to see that both U.S. senators have approval ratings in the 40 percentile and pretty high disapproval ratings. And so they're not just crazy about them. I mean, I was a little surprised that Tom Cotton ranks slightly better than John Bozeman since he's such a disagreeable person. But that's me. Uh, heartening that... 
in the ballot measures polled, 67% support minimum it, it wage. It does look like the minimum wage increase will pass by, by every polling account. Unfortunately, 70% have been sold on the notion that we need a voter ID law when demonstrably we don't, but it's clearly going to pass. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other big election news, uh, seven-day pre-election campaign finance reports were filed earlier this week. What's jumped out at you? Well, what what jumped out at me was, uh, what was it? Well, I mean, Asa Hutchins has raised more money than God has, which is not surprising for a popular incumbent. Uh, I was... What was it? I, there were some things that. Oh well, the, mayoral. the mayor's race was interesting because we got, and that law needs a change. By the way, this is the first time we've gotten a look at the money raising for the mayor's race, not counting the, the exploratory period. And, and what we know now is is that Baker Curris got in the race late, didn't announce till May, but he's far outraised anybody else in the time period since June the first. Warwick Saban's campaign, in fact try to dishonestly represent their numbers as being better than Curtis's, and they're simply wrong. That was not true, and whether that was by design to be dishonest or by honest mistake, which I have my doubts. Uh, since June the 1st, Baker Curtis has raised $350,000, and since June the 1st, Mark Saban's raised about $180,000. He transferred in 170000 from the time when he had an exploratory committee before uh, uh, Curtis was in the race. Frank Scott's had pretty good fundraising, uh, maybe in the two hundred thousand range. He'll have plenty of money to have a campaign. Uh, it's uh, I'm led to understand today, by the way, that they've firmly decided that the winner of this race will be the person with the most votes if they're above forty percent, and they're not going to have to meet a standard in law for some city races and some forms of government where you have to have a twenty point lead as well. Is forty percent of the vote. I'm trying to double check that today with the city attorney, but so there may not be a runoff. Uh, there may be a winner with forty plus one vote. There had been uh, some thought that Frank Scott, because of his banking background and time on the Highway Commission, was uh, at least one of the candidates of the established the business establishment. That wasn't really reflected in, in no, his campaign. No, I, I, I think if you wanted to make a sweeping generalization, you and, and there, there were exceptions to this in all three candidates, but the generally speaking conventional business establishment money seems to have gone to Baker Curtis. I think that's true. So, and uh, so, so it's interesting. I, I you know, I, I, I still have no prediction about where this goes. I mean, this week I finally decided, particularly spurred by the Little Rock School problems, that uh, that that was finally that single issue that decided me that Baker Curris was the preferable candidate. But Just because you want the mayor to be a strong advocate for A strong advocate. The they school. can't do much, but I want him to be a strong advocate who's not afraid of the conventional business wisdom in it. Baker Curris uh, stood up to Johnny Key on charter schools, made a very extensive statistical case about their damage and got fired for it. Uh, he said uh, at the time the, the Chamber of Commerce wanted to raise the school millage that we didn't need to do it. It was not the time to do it. They had sufficient money to, to do the work that needed to be done now, and we were losing, we're hemorrhaging students, so it was not time to increase obligations. And that made a lot of people at the Chamber of Commerce mad, but I think he proved to be right on that. And it shows that whatever his business ties are, and he has many, he's a businessman, 
Uh, he's not afraid of evaluating an, an issue and making a decision that perhaps isn't popular with, with some of his people. I, I know there's chamber people who still aren't happy with him about what he did on the millage. So in that, in that regard, uh, it gives, and I've known him for 20 years and know him to be a guy of integrity. And that's, a, that, that's ultimately the important thing. Somebody you can trust what he says and know that if he says something, that's what he's going to do. Even if you might not always agree with it. Okay, well, that's... Which brings us to police, perhaps. Big well, news in that today. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. I want to stay on election just for a minute. That That's obviously the most interesting race for everyone in Little Rock and political watchers all over. But, uh, you know, the second district race, people remain somewhat hopeful, if uh, guardedly so. <laughs> To the ex- yeah, to the extent we know anything about polling, it seems to favor the incumbent Republican representative French Hill. Is there a, a win for change in Arkansas like there clearly is in a lot of districts nationwide? I don't know. What we do know is this. French Hill is just flat lying and lying repeatedly about his record. He wanted to repeal Obamacare. He voted on the record for a bill that would have wrecked coverage of pre-existing health coverage, and he's now flatly lying about it. Now, as, as many other Republican candidates are, he is just a liar. He is a POS liar. And he's lied about other things, about Clark Tucker coddling Salvadoran gangs and other stuff, all of which says to me that they have some level of concern. I don't think a candidate, I mean, you don't see Bruce Westerman or Rick Crawford or Steve, Steve Womack, Womack running ads like this because they're they're convinced they're going to have easy pass to re-election. So maybe there's some hope. I mean, I heard I heard an anecdotal story out of Cersei yesterday about somebody who was in a group of young people from Cersei. Several of them were declared Republicans, didn't know that there was a Tucker person among them, and they all said they voted for Tucker. I, I mean, this may be some weird outlier group at, at Harding. I don't know. I don't know or what, but in any event, you hear stuff like that. But it may be, you know, I, you know, hope springs eternal, and maybe French Hill will win with sixty percent of the vote. I just don't know. But I think Clark Tucker's had plenty of money. He's run a good race. He's an attractive candidate. If uh, aligning yourself up with Trump, as French Hill has done, is a negative, maybe he's got a chance. Sure. The the other big race, the the most interesting race, I think, is the Supreme Court race. Right. Between Courtney Goodson and David Sterling. Massive money on both Massive, sides. darkish money uh, on his side from a Republican group out of Washington. And he's now taken to running ads, and I just don't see how it's not a direct violation of judicial ethics to run an ad that's saying, I support the agenda of Donald Trump and Asa Hutchinson. I mean, that's, I mean, those, both the governor and president have issues that could come before the Arkansas Supreme Court, and the ethics rules don't just apply to judges. They apply to people running for judgeship. This is the most blatant partisan appeal you could possibly imagine, particularly for a nonpartisan seat. And he's, and he's getting a million dollars from a Republican outside money group. Uh, if she doesn't have that kind of money this time, and I think she made a terrible strategic mistake in suing to get the Republican ads off the air because any lawyer, I couldn't find a lawyer in the state except for her own lawyer who thought she had a leg to stand on and arguing the ads were defamatory. They were true. They were perhaps misleading. They were shaped to be critical of her, but welcome to political advertising. The First Amendment just doesn't allow you to come in 
and take stuff off the air without proving that they're defamatory and, and false. And she, she was able to show finally at testimony this week that, well, it was inaccurate to say that she supported a pay raise to the Supreme Court because she says she voted in a private conference against it. But that was more than a year ago. She's had ample opportunity to say it previously, and so they can't be faulted for saying that when the only thing on the record is the Chief Justice asking for a pay raise for everybody on the Supreme Court. So she lost. Uh, of course, the other things are um, trends that, that progressives have have uh, sort of yearned for for years and been disappointed every time, and that's whether uh, you know some kind of suburban districts in, in central Arkansas and elsewhere can tip back to Democratic control, and then if any inroads are made in northwest Arkansas, if uh, Denise Garner can prevail over Charlie Collins, how Josh Mahoney, who certainly will lose, but how he fares against Steve Womack. Right, and there are like 10 uh, really strong candidates for state house in northwest Arkansas. There are a bunch of good ones in Pulaski County mm-hmm. in, in districts that have been held for several terms by Republicans. Uh, any number of them have a lot of money, I mean, or at least money to have a campaign. They've been aggressive. They're doing grassroots work. I mean, again, it, I don't have any read of whether we've become so reflexively Republican voting that it's hopeless or not. I just don't know. I mean, I'm obviously hopeful that, that there's going to be some movement and that there's some desire of change or the, of, the, of the feeling that single-party government is not a good thing, that some balance is a good thing. Uh, you know, I just I just don't know. Or, or that voters are judging on the quality of candidate. I mean, you've got... Right. I mean, we've got this Secretary of State's race, which is one statewide race where... A Democrat has raised more money than the Republican, uh, and Susan Inman is a former top officer in the Office of Secretary of State. She handled elections there. She was Pulaski County Election Coordinator. She has a real platform of using the Secretary of State's office to expand voting possibilities, to do vote by mail, which some other states have done. She's running against John Thurston, the land commissioner, who has no experience. No experience, and I mean, he seems to be a nice enough guy, but he offers nothing for the job except that he's, he's a Republican. Republican. Yeah. I mean, that's really all he's got. And she's had some pretty effective advertising and been able to buy a little TV. I mean, if there was ever a race that, that qualities mattered and that partisanship really is less important here, although the Secretary of State does get a seat on the reapportion commission, and so that's a political issue. I mean, she's the clear choice, but uh, and this this will be a test of whether. Yeah, John qual- Thurston is is ulti- is the ultimate just generic Republican. Like when he, when he it's polled, no, he has no meaningful education. He has no meaningful work experience. I mean, in his favor is that he hadn't been particularly a jackass like some of them are. But I mean, I mean that's that's kind of damning with Frank Praise to say no jackass, never been indicted, and he did buy <laughs> did buy a thirty thousand dollar bass boat for which the office had no use. Yeah. Okay, before we move on to our second topic, let's talk about Jim Daly Fitness at Aquatic Center. It's it's both of our gyms of choice, though I know you're much more regular than I am. Uh, it's uh, they've got an annual attendance of over two hundred thousand, and amenities such as an indoor lap pool and quality fitness equipment that's they recently been upgraded too. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I mean I I got a huge. I just renewed for the year, and it was some big reduction. They're competing on price too. I mean, I get the senior citizen discount, so it's like two hundred bucks a year, or something like that. I don't know. It's a pretty good deal. But as I said, they replaced all the weight machines with these new new 
newfangled things, and once I got used to them, they're okay. But they've also brought in a whole bunch of new ellipticals and all those rowing and cycling and running machines, and they all got equipped with TV screens. And it's uh, that was my go-to when I was rehabbing my broken knee. I, I went over there and did the ellipticals all the time. And I, I was a little mad that they moved the weight machines from upstairs to downstairs, but I think they're creating a nicer environment for the people who like to get on the treadmills and the ellipticals and stuff because it's this big room with lots of sun, open windows, kind of a pleasant space, and it's uh, it's a good thing. It's a good place, and it is the People's Fitness Center. There are not a lot of people styling up there. There are not a lot of people trying to impress you know and yeah, there's one guy that I, I haven't been in a while but there's one guy that would always come in at night wearing jeans and a cutoff shirt you know it was like he'd, he'd come from laying brick or something and he'd just come yeah, in and no, just start just, pounding some weights young i old, like that young old black white fit not fit slow fast and just it's uh it's a really and plenty of parking easy to get to center of the city i love the jim daly war memorial fitness center and they've got a they have a, a walking track above the gym that i know you, yeah, you take advantage walk, of I use a walking track quite a bit and a nice gym where uh, there's often pick up basketball games or pickleball or badminton going uh and some tennis courts too i played tennis over there and not they, too long they got all kinds of guys that you can hire to do your specialized training and they do some some special classes and what have you lots of stuff going on there it's good check it out jim daly fitness and aquatic center we should say it's uh it's on what's the what is the street name i can't remember it's on monroe monroe it's right next to war memorial right next to war memorial uh little rock zoo check it out so, as uh, you alluded to, and I guess I mentioned off the top, uh, Police Chief Kitten Buckner has been named the new police chief in Syracuse. They apparently paid no attention to his lack of rave reviews in Little Rock, I must say, and which is good because I think it was time for him to go. It's apparently his last day will be November 16th. Bruce Moore, the city manager, says he's talking to the assistant chiefs today about who will be interim, but they'll start a new search and take applications, and there'll be a process uh, the city manager makes the choice, although he's mindful of the city board and the mayor, and we're about to have a new mayor, and the candidates have had various things to say about the police department, some more negative than others. It's a time for change. We need it. Buckner was entirely too friendly with the fraternal order of police, and as luck would have it, there's another giant article today in the Washington Post by Radney Balco, who's been writing about the Little Rock Police Department and its problems. And this one is just another just really incredible indictment of the Little Rock Police Department for both for training, for enforcement of rules about use of excessive force, about inadequate training on use of devices like tasers, about people who shouldn't have been hired in the first place being fired, people who should have been fired not being fired, a forgiving civil service commission, a flawed internal investigation procedure, Named officer after named officer with dozens of allegations of excessive force with people who just haven't been trained properly. I mean, there is a mess there. Of course, it talks about the obvious, that it's a majority white force in a majority black city, nearly majority black city, many of whom the officers don't live in Little Rock. And it has a, it's, there's a culture of nepotism in which many people are related, and that leaves to bad actors like Josh Hastings who eventually killed somebody and was found liable for doing so and lied about the circumstances, holding on to a job long after he should have lost it because of multiple disciplinary violations. 
the first go round on this about excessive and improper practices by SWAT teams on drug raids, city leaders tried to ignore. Basically, I, I assume yeah, there'll be more. It's a pitiful bl- response, incredibly, and also the media. I mean, we were the only ones, really. No, that the, the Democrat Gazette's like, what's what's the deal here? I I don't get it. Uh, I mean, as I say, anybody who this, this one today is monumental. It's hundreds of inches long, and it's the result of a year-long investigation. And this isn't just a bunch of guys' opinions. I mean, he names names and counts incidents and has this scrolling list of these allegations. And, you know, it just needs a look. It needs some concern. And, and it's just not enough to say, well, we trust our internal investigation. Boy, you shouldn't because their internal investigations are a joke in a lot of these cases. Yeah, well, and another recent legacy that Buckner leaves behind is the practice of making investigative stops uh, in, especially in, in majority black neighborhoods, um, as a means yeah, of community policing. Community Buckner said, "It's just absurd." I'd point people back to Jacob Rosenberg's excellent look at that earlier this year. But yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of bad feelings. Left behind. No, and but, they, you know, and they're black officers who say, "Who wants?" You know, it's hard to recruit black officers because who wants to work on this rogue police force? I mean, and that's a good point. And and they've got a shortage of officers, and and it's it's the highest paid police force in the state, and they can't recruit people. And of course, the white officers say they don't want to live in Little Rock because it's too dangerous. Right. Now, how does that make you feel? And there's also been this witch hunt to go after social media. Uh, for black recruits and any use of the N-word or anything off-color. Well, as, as Johnny Gilbert pointed out, Josh Hastings had a KKK association before he was hired, and he was hired anyway. Black kids who maybe had some tangential reference on a Facebook page to a gang once didn't get hired. I mean, there's just been a double standard down through the years, and, and what it does, it's built a force full of head knockers. And, and the, you know, people, and particularly people, you know, one, not only are they prone to knocking around people, but they're more prone to knock around brown and black people than white people. And that's really the problem. Okay, well, let's let's move on. Last week we talked at length at the uh, attack on the Little Rock School District, uh, led by Johnny Key with certain backing from... Well, obviously, Governor Asa Hutchinson and, and the Walton Family Foundation and other foes, the Little Rock School District. The, the contract that uh, Little Rock School District Superintendent Michael Poor was negotiating with the Little Rock Education Association, which represents Little Rock teachers, was set to expire uh, on November 1st. Um, the Johnny Key inserted language into the into the contract he, he at the last minute. He rejected the agreement, wanted to insert language that would waive the Teacher Fair Dismissal Act for 22 Little Rock School District schools that uh, earned a D or an F and a new accountability system. Um, but Key agreed to a two-week extension as the, the, the contract was set to expire. Now it's November 14. Uh, we have no news that they're making progress, and boss, there doesn't really seem to be any room for negotiation I, I on either side. I don't see there's room for progress because the governor and Johnny Key and the Democrat Gazette, who represents Walter Hussman and the Billionaire Boys Club, absolutely want the fair dismissal law gone. And and this is a start. I mean, they want it gone, period. But, but they certainly want it gone in the Little Rock School District. 
And so the only compromise, it seems to me, would be is if the union agrees to let it go, and I don't see how they can, except that if they if they don't, uh, then there's no longer a contract, and they're no longer a bargaining agent for t- teachers, which I think is the result Johnny Key wants. So uh, they were going to vote on the waiver at the State Board of Education this week, but they, they delayed that because Key thought it would probably look bad if they went ahead and gave him the waiver well, the contract negotiations were still going on. Oh, I think it's all a foregone conclusion anyway. But the greatest development in this, I thought, was just a fabulous piece. It was written by a Little Rock School District parent who happens to be a, a, an education professor at UCA but is not writing it officially as a UCA professor. I think he's the chair of the department. I think he's chair of the department at UCA and has past history as a teacher in many school districts, frankly, shared in Benton. And uh, he explains, number one, that it's possible to fire people now and that the fair dismissal process is a way to, to improve teachers who still have a chance of being improved. But apart from that, he talks about the hard facts of school grades in Arkansas. And school grades are almost, there's some factors that factor in, but they're driven entirely by standardized test scores. And we knew, and I've written before, that two groups tend to do worse on standardized test scores. Poor kids, minority kids. All 22 schools that they've targeted in Little Rock are overwhelmingly black and poor student bodies. Some of them have big numbers of children who don't speak English. They're Latino. What, what Michael Mills did is he looked at the universe of, Little, of Arkansas schools and, and put together the findings that I suspected was true, but it was even worse than I thought. And that is the grades, A, B, C, D, and F, follow in a straight line correlation enrollment of white students and students who are not poor. That is, there isn't... Um, Hello there. Um, we got a visitor. Anyway, that we've got a... We don't have a single A school that has majority black or majority poor uh, students. We only have, I think, three schools statewide that score B with majority black uh, or minority students, and two of them happen to be in the Little Rock School District. Those charter schools that the Walton Foundation says are going to be the solution to our problems, well, 16 of them are majority black, and only two of the 16 score as high as a C. The other 14 are D and F. Nobody's talking about doing anything about the charter schools. Nobody's talking anything about the 200 schools statewide that have DNF. They only want to go after Little Rock, and the reason is simple. They have a teacher's union, and they want to break it. It's, that's about the size of it. That was a LRSD pupil who's, who's off today. Yeah, he's, he's like... He's sick. So. He's falling behind, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's, let's wrap up there and move on to endorsements. What do you got this week? I'm, I got nothing. Well, I, I will do a few. Except I want to again say the Romanoffs is even worse than it was after the first show. <laughs> it's slow. Oh, man, it's bad. It's so bad. Uh, I'm going to do a series of log rolling things. First, the Arkansas Times 7th Annual Craft Beer Festival is tonight in North Little Rock, downtown Argena. Get tickets and find out more at centralarkansatickets.com. Uh, second, the Arkansas Nonprofit News Network, the uh, – investigative and public interest journalism side project that I've got uh, that's brought you Benji Hardy's great Medicaid reporting, David Ramsey's Rusty Cranford story, lots of 
juvenile justice reporting, is amid News Match, which is a fundraising campaign where donations are matched dollar for dollar up to $1,000 per individual donation through the end of the year. And uh, we also have an additional match that will go through $5,800 donated. So that means one to three, uh, essentially, um, or donations are tripled. So if we raise $5,800, we'll get $17,400. We're off to a great start. Already raised $5,000 with the matches factored in just in the first day. But learn more at arcnews.org. Finally, we should say just a little bit about our uh, announcement this week. So uh, next year, uh, we've decided that it makes sense for, for us to to revert back to uh, our roots of a magazine. So in February or January 31st, we're going to uh, put out a, a new Arkansas Times magazine. And at the same time, we're going to really uh, reinvest in our website. So we're, we're launching a new version of our website. Of course, the, our current one will never go offline. Um, and we're going to work really hard to augment what Max does every day and, and bring you a lot more, uh, not just reporting, but uh, food and culture and um, all sorts of stuff. Video. Yeah. Even more video. So, yeah. And, we and, and more and more news. I mean, even even more from the notion that, I mean, digitally we can publish any minute of the day, sure. 24 hours a day, and we want to do more of that. Yeah. We think this reflects how people consume media in 2018, that if you want immediacy, you're probably not looking for a weekly newspaper. You're looking online. But still, you know, I think people like to read magazines. Magazines have not gone away. It's no, nice. Magazines to, are good, and, and these will and this will give us an opportunity for better display, better photography, better graphics, and there's plenty of long-form stories. And, sure. And it, and it, it will be substance. It's not going to be just party going. I mean, it's Yeah, this is not going to be confused with the lifestyle magazines that are so common in the market. But let me throw in one other thing I want to say because it's on my mind. There have been at least four different occasions in Arkansas this week where ballots have been screwed up. Uh, whether by honest mistake or skullduggery, doesn't really matter. It's happened. People have been given ballots that were not the right ones, and so they weren't able to vote on races they wanted to vote in. Two things. Three things. Number one, vote. Vote, vote, vote. Two, make sure you're registered before you go in. There's an online database. Check it out. Be sure your registration is current so you don't get surprised when you go to vote and people say, sorry, you were removed from the rolls. And finally, when you do vote, make sure that the races you wanted to vote on are on the ballot. And when you cast your ballot on an electronic machine, go back and proofread it because some of these machines sometimes will change your vote. It just happens. It's not, it's not, it's a flaw of the machinery or your use of them. And before you hit cast my ballot, make sure your votes are for the people you wanted to vote for. You cannot be too careful. This election is too important to make mistakes. And let us know if you have any issues. Yeah, and call us if you got a problem. We'll see you next week for Election Recap. <laughs>